There once was a field of poppies, all vibrant and beautiful and uniform across the field. And out in the distance, there was one poppy that was taller than the rest. Well, we know exactly how to deal with that. So we clipped that poppy down to size and everything was back to normal and uniform. This is tall poppy syndrome. Welcome to ROSC, episode six. In this episode, we're gonna talk about a concept called the small town mentality. This particular podcast is inspired by someone by the name of David Goggins. And for those of you who know who that is, it's, I need not explain more. For those of you who have never heard of him, look him up, read his book, listen to his interviews. I could not begin to do justice to what this guy brings to the table. But basically, if I had to sum him up, he is a racially abused, formerly obese exterminator with a learning disability from Brazil, Indiana, who ended up going on to become one of the most prominent Navy SEALs ever. Now, when Goggins explains what he calls the small town mentality, it's literally what he goes through or has gone through whenever he goes home and visits Indiana. Whenever he goes, the people that he knows, the people that he grew up with, the people who were particularly on his side in his life, try to remind him of where he came from. And that might not necessarily seem like a bad thing, and sometimes it's not a bad thing. But the way he describes it being done is people trying to trim that poppy, trying to cut him down and make him remember, you think you're so great, just remember who you were, where you came from, and... Let's let's tone it down there, buddy. That kind of thing. Now, what does this have to do with leadership and team cohesion and resuscitation and all this stuff? Some of you may already be picking up on where this is going. But in this journey to embark on improved teamwork, improved leadership skills, improved empathy, leaders eating last, um, trying to shift the paradigm of where the medical culture is now and where it's going to go, one of the things that has been mentioned in this community from the beginning is that it's a long, thankless path. Sometimes it might be a lonely path. And among those difficulties is the inevitable fact that there are going to be hurdles that arise. Some hurdles are going to be internal and some are going to be external. This might come in the form of peer pressure. It might come in the form of the status quo. It might come in the form of negativity. It might come in the form of being looked down upon by other people. And some of you may have experienced this in one form or another. The thing that I've found in myself and in some people that I've observed is that this hurdle is something that can be overlooked very easily because the societal norm is to sort of be this way. That when you start to try to achieve, when you start to try to change things from, way, from how people are comfortable with it being, even if... That comfort is the thing that people want to get away from and don't realize they're just stuck in that comfort. When you try to shift that, when you try to introduce something, when you try to move things towards something that's perhaps less entertaining, perhaps less cathartic for people, perhaps something that makes people less comfortable and is maybe foreign... When that starts to happen, you start to hear things like being called an overachiever, being too optimistic, uh, or, oh, you'll learn soon enough. You haven't been jaded yet. 
or people will come right at you and ask you why you think you're better than them, why you think you're better than everyone else. What's interesting is I personally have experienced that this is so common in the world that I'm asking myself these questions before they even get asked. I'm the one shooting my own self down. I'm the one reminding myself of my own small town mentality. Hey, cool it. Who do you think you are? You're just one person. This can't be changed. There's nothing anybody can do. It's hopeless. All of this type of stuff, whether it be implicit or explicit, whether it's being said straight to your face or it's being said behind your back or you're just getting this feeling of people looking at you like, please just be quiet. Please just sit down. And I think there's a number of reasons why this might occur. One of the reasons it might occur is, like I had mentioned before, about making people uncomfortable. And the word uncomfortable, it tends to be a negative thing. But discomfort is often, as we hear, uh, the place where things change. But the subtle difference is that human beings often will try to avoid discomfort. So that might be one aspect of what's happening here. The other thing, as unfortunate as it might be, sometimes might just be a form of jealousy. Sometimes people wish that things would change and they don't have the answer and they're frustrated, but everyone around them is just as frustrated. So at least they feel like they're not any different from anyone else. When you have a disruptor, when you have someone who's trying to change things, when you have a rabble rouser, it, it takes things away from the status quo, from the norm. And I myself have a hard time trying to understand this entirely. This happens when it comes to just personal growth, when it comes to business, when it comes to anything. It's almost as if people want to sabotage themselves because it's predictable, right? You know the feeling you're going to have the next day when you know that you're going to go back to your same miserable job, when you're going to have the same fights with the same people, when you don't know what's going to come through the door. And when it comes to the door, it's going to be like a tornado. And at the end of the tornado is an outcome. It's strange how people find that to be more comforting simply because it's familiar, simply because it's predictable. Now, how does this relate to you? Because everything I'm saying right now, I'm sure you're sitting there saying, yeah, that's so horrible. That's so stupid. Why would anybody? And yet here we are years, decades later with the same thing going on, the same solutions being introduced, the same ideas being passed around. And maybe that's part of what it is. And maybe this is part of why leaders eat last, that leaders eat last because the action needs to be done. Recently, I had talked about this idea of when someone, when you're going to get yours, right? Why me? I'm being expected to do all these things. I'm being given all these restrictions, all of these parameters, all these rules. And then on, on top of that, I have to be the one to change things. The thing is, everybody around you feels that exact same thing. Why should it be me? Why should I change? I already give so much of myself. This idea of ego depletion only exists if you believe it exists. You're spent only if you think that you're spent. And it's funny because David Goggins talks about when you reach a point where you feel like you can't give anymore, you're probably only 40% there. To come back to the point when everyone feels like that same feeling inside of them, when everyone feels that I don't have anything more to give. I can't be the one to change. Someone else needs to do this because I deserve better than this. And when you say that you deserve better, you automatically think that it is owed to you from the outside. Now, if everybody feels that way, what is everyone expecting for someone to bring it to them? 
This is why action is needed first. This is why leaders need to eat last. Because the person like you who knows that that inner leader exists knows that you have to take a lost leader in the beginning. You have to take a period of time where you're sacrificing from yourself in order to provide the environment that you and everyone else is expecting to come. But because everyone is waiting for it to come, the sort of paradox is that when you create that environment, when you give other people the space to say, finally is coming to me, then their side comes out and then it's exponential. It surges upward because everyone now feels the ability to give because they've been given now, if that makes any sense. So what does this have to do with the small town mentality? What this has to do with the small town mentality is that when you take the lead and try to do that, there's a, there's a level of learned helplessness that exists among people where while on one hand they want the change to come and they want the environment to shift, they want the ability to be vulnerable and be human, they are so people are so comfortable with the situation that exists because it's predictable that they almost fight it. It's almost like when you go to the gym, in order to build muscle, the muscle has to tear first. And knowing that you probably would still go to the gym and you probably actually love that feeling when you feel it, even if it hurts, because you know that that is an indicator that you're going in the right direction. Well, when people come at you and say, who do you think you are? Or they start to mock you or ridicule you or actually genuinely make you feel like you're a party pooper or you're a goody two shoes or you're so naive or you're, you know, wait till you get jaded like us and fall into the same norm. Know that that's growing pain. That is an indicator that you're on the right path. And that's the beauty of having a community like this. It's way, way, way more difficult to be able to do something when you know you're the only one doing it. We're all human and we're all in the same path. And you do only have so much energy to give. And if you try to give this energy, you might try and then fail and try and fail. And then all you'll feel is the repetition of the failure. And it's not going to make you go forward unless you shift it and give yourself the self-credibility that I tried and I failed and I can try again and fail again, but I can keep trying. You can't fail if you don't try. And the lacking of failure might be a, a good thing on the forefront, but it's actually the trying that allows you to keep trying again until something sticks. The benefit of this community, the benefit of you being here along with everyone else who's listening with you, along with everyone else who's reading with you, along with everyone else who's interacting and providing constructive feedback and providing a space for you and everyone else to be able to bring problems with the intent of finding a solution, not with the intent of commiserating. When you have that community, you know that you in the middle of New York or in the middle of Southern California or in the middle of any place on earth that someone somewhere on the other side of the earth in this community is also fighting that battle when they thought they were alone, but they come here and they see that they're not alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. You're on the other side of this microphone. You're on the other side of this camera. You're on the other side of this screen. And when that happens, the synergy happens even earlier. And so in the spirit of us talking about in this community, not just having fluffy abstract ideas, but having actionable tactics that can change things. When you reflect on this, think about the things that you fear hearing. Think about the things that you're worried others might say. Think about the things that you're worried you might say to yourself, which is often more powerful because you know yourself and you know your weaknesses and you know your insecurities. Think about those things 
and ask yourself from the perspective of a learner's mindset, what about that is true? And of those things that are true, what about that can I gain and change in order for that thing to no longer be true or no longer to be as powerful or as true as it was before I decided to change? There's something a friend of mine taught me about called the rejection game, where you spend 30 days picking one thing a day to get rejected in. And while I did try to do this, the essence of it stuck with me much more quickly than actually practicing it every day. And that is putting yourself in a position to actually experience the failure that you fear, putting yourself in a position to actually face the pushback, face the resistance that you fear. Because when you develop the, the mindset of a learner, or even before you develop that mindset, when you get to a point where you've had enough and you're self-aware enough to realize that I need to do something, which is why you're here, when you shift that mindset a tiny bit, you no longer look at that failure or that hurdle or that setback or, or that resistance as this is an indicator that I need to stop. You ask yourself, how can I deal with this? How can I navigate around it? And so whether it's an internal or an external factor, if you were to imagine yourself like a window where rather than taking every single thing that comes at you internally, you look at it behind a window pane and you're able to pick at it and evaluate and look at each thing, understand the truth, try to understand the motivation behind it. And if there's truth behind it, ask yourself, what change can I make? Because there is always a change. Don't ask if you can, ask how you can change something for that thing to no longer be direct. If you imagine, for example, that thing that's attacking you coming at you like a train, what can I do to shift the tracks by a degree? Because if I shift it by a degree, that gap widens and widens and widens. And as you get practice in being able to shift that, to be able to deflect that small town mentality within yourself or from the external environment by even a degree, then all you have to do again is shift it by one more degree and then one more degree. And next thing you know, it's going 90 degrees off completely in another direction and it never comes at you. And that's not to say you become invincible or bulletproof, but it is to say that you develop the tools to be able to navigate around those difficulties. Does that not sound like a leader to you? And aside from being a leader, in the interest of having a team, what do you think of a team that is built of a group of people who have this mentality? What kind of team would that be? Would that or would that not be a team that is stronger than the North Pole in its magnetism? Would that bubble not affect other people who want to be part of that team, who then want to be part of that bubble that's growing and growing and growing? We're not talking about making massive changes here. We're not talking about making institutional shifts or entire worldwide just 180 degrees. These small, tiny changes just from one person always will build and amount to something greater. If that one change from one person is happening from hundreds and thousands of people around the globe then all of those tiny bubbles will ultimately merge and the change just happens faster. We're not necessarily here for speed, we're here for impact. But if everyone remembers that their one degree all adds up, big things can happen. Leaders can come out of every single one of us. And if you don't have something of a leader in you or you think you don't, you definitely have something of a team member in you. And as a team member, if you have even a fraction of these tools, I mean, what a world it would be, what a field it would be to practice in, how we would have each other's backs, how we would understand each other. Empathy would be the name of the game 
for each other. We'll see you next time.